This morning we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul seems to have visited Corinth three times at least that we know of, and the New Testament refers to four different letters that he wrote, and this is the last letter that he wrote. 2 Corinthians is the defense of his apostleship. All through his travels, he had to defend that he was an apostle. Who's always being attacked by the Judaizers and others that said, you really are an apostle and you really aren't who you say you are. And so 2 Corinthians is another letter that really defends his apostleship. So this group that always questioned his authority had to find out something that could get against him. We see in this letter a picture into Paul's soul that we don't see in any other letter. We see a depth into his, who he is. He really talks about his, what's inside of him that maybe he's not ever shared a lot before. One writer says, Paul bears his heart and his life as he does in none of his other letters. This lends a special value to this letter. Paul describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ by God's will, not by his own or by some church. That's important. Paul just didn't decide, well, I think I'll be an apostle. I think I'll do all this stuff. God called him and called him out. <coughs> and his suffering is really the proof that he's an apostle. Now, now think about it. Everywhere he went, as you go through the book of Acts, he was either stoned or imprisoned. And when he got through with the journey, he would come back and go back to those cities where he was stoned or imprisoned to see how the churches were doing. He was truly called of God. Paul greets the Corinthians in such a way that they will see to it that everybody in Achaia hears the gospel message. And the gospel is what Paul is all about. Now you can stand as we begin to read. Starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we, are, <coughs> if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings 
which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, <coughs> that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of our life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will send deliver, soon deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Thank you. you. May be seated. Paul is thankful for comfort. And I mean, we went through this congregation, many of you'd say, you know, I appreciate the comfort of God that he brings. And Paul knew what that meant. He says, God is the source of comfort there in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. This is who God is. When you think about who God is, his character, everything about him, part of him is that aspect of comfort that he gives us, that compassion he has for us, the strength that he gives us. And mercies is he has a heart of compassion for us, a heart of compassion. God's mercy comes from the fact that, listen, we cannot do anything about our situation, our salvation, or our comfort. We don't have the ability to do any of those things. We cannot really comfort ourselves. We can't do anything about our salvation. It is all of grace. That's what salvation is all about. It's salvation for everyone who will believe on him. That Jesus died on the cross and on the third day he rose from the grave. That's the evidence that his blood shed on Calvary was real. So what evidence do you need? He rose from the grave. That is the gospel message. And that is what got Paul in trouble in every city he went to, that he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here the word comfort is paraklesis in the Greek. It's a noun here. It means to call near. And it's the same word we see for the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, and 17. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Boy, you... You want to really test yourself? How much do you love God? Do you, do, you love, do you keep his commandments? And I will ask the Father. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because he doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Boy, what a blessing. He is with us and resides within us sealed by the Holy Spirit till that day of redemption, until we go to be with the Lord, whether through the rapture, through our death or whatever, we have the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of heaven. One writer says, when tragedy strikes, when our life collapses before our eyes, that's when we need someone to come alongside and put an arm around us. Not just to wave at us, say, I hope everything gets really good, but when they come beside us, Easter Sunday of 2020, we heard a sound, and it was a tornado that went through our house. We live in Holly Hills. 
And so we didn't know what really happened. We had gone downstairs, gotten in the, I was upstairs to get another flashlight, and I, our power always went out when we had a storm. And so I hear this noise, and it comes through the den, goes to the kitchen, takes the roof off. So I'm da- I ran downstairs, and I said, Beth, Bill, get out of here, get out of here. <coughs> so I get downstairs. We hide, and it's over in about, it seems like, a minute. We go outside. I look, and we had some columns on the front porch, and they were gone. I thought, Phew. If that's all that happened, I'll be really happy if I just lost these columns on the front porch. But that's not all that happened. So we lost our, ended up having to have our home torn down, rebuilt in the same location. But had it not been for people who came beside us during that time, who brought comfort, and it was sometimes people we didn't even know. We ended up living in a motel, uh, where it was really nice kind of motels uh, over on uh, Shalfer had Nice room, suite, and all this kind of stuff. The insurance paid for all that, thankfully. And people there comforted us. They didn't even know them. But they came alongside of us. When you knew our story, there were several people there from the tornado that swept through East Brainerd. It's wonderful to know that God puts people in your life that can speak comfort into your life, who can help you through those difficult times. You must get close to someone, as I said, to bring comfort to them. He will give you grace and peace that you need when you need it. And sufferings are not accidents, but divine appointments. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean God allows these things? Yeah, he allows them to happen in our life that he may mature us. So God's comforting is all-encompassing. It is all that we need there. He, he comes to us. In verse 4 there in 2 Corinthians, he comforts us in all of our afflictions. Just not every once in a while, not every other one, but all of our afflictions. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. When we get comforted, we can comfort other people. We can help them. It's the same word used in verse 3 for, in the Greek, but it's here it's the verb instead of the noun. This is seeing God in action, putting his comfort to work, him moving upon our lives, him strengthening our lives, bringing comfort to us. Tribulation or affliction is that pressing together. You've been through some tribulation. You feel like the walls are coming in on you? Now, I don't know if anybody here is a big Star Wars fan, but Star Wars 4, there's a scene where Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia are in a trash bin. And so they're, they're trying to figure out how to get out of the thing. All of a sudden, the walls start coming in and pressing them. And they know if they don't get out of this thing, it's going to crush us and kill us. You ever been in a situation like that in your life? You feel like the walls are coming in on you? You're going through afflictions you've never had before, tribulations you've never experienced. Things that, that happen, but as sufferings abound, but also... God's comfort. God's comfort. We must learn to seek our comfort in a sovereign Savior in the purposes He has for our suffering. Now, I don't know if you ever think about it, but He has a purpose when we go through suffering. It is to mature us. God will provide comfort no matter how great the affliction. Maybe you've been through some, you say, well, I don't think God can bring comfort at this time. This is too great for God. This is something I've never been through. I don't know what God's going to do. 
He will bestow more comfort than the afflictions we have. So don't think he's going to run out of comfort. Don't think that your affliction is greater than what God can do. I'm thankful that, that we've not been through cancer through our immediate family or anything. But I know people have gone through that. People have died. And it's heartbreaking. But death is always difficult when it goes on for a long period and watching people suffer. But God is there to give us comfort through whatever size affliction we have. God's comforting is also a teacher. Again in verse 4, He comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. We are teachers. So you go through something. You go through death. You go through some tragedy. You go through some affliction. God puts somebody in your life. And you're thinking, well, I've been there. And you talk to them. Tell them, here's what I did. Here's, here's how God worked in my life. So all of a sudden, you find yourself sharing what you've been through because God prepared you to help somebody else. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It has me, others. That God is always there, and we become teachers of his comfort. God comforts us so that we can help others. And how important that is that we can do that. Paul understands suffering. Now, that's not one thing I want to say I really have a complete hold on is suffering. You know that what the Bible tells us? that we come to know Christ that we will suffer because we know him? Now, I think if we put that in invitation, people would go, whoa, wait a minute. You mean if I trust Jesus as my Savior, I may have to go through suffering for him? I'm not sure I want to do that. But that's part of when we come to Christ. That's what he tells us will happen. God's comfort overflows. These are Paul's sufferings because he belonged to Christ, because he stood up for Christ in a hostile environment. You know, I mentioned before, started, every city he went to, he was stoned or imprisoned or beaten or something. And then when he came back, the same thing happened again sometimes. Sometimes he didn't. But I'm, you know, I'm sitting there thinking in my mind, okay, I went to that city, and the last time I was there, they beat the fool out of me. I think I'm not going to quit. This is it. I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. I think that's what our flesh wants to tell us. But Paul understood how great the message of the gospel was. How great the gospel that called him to be a preacher, to speak to kings and, and rulers. That was his calling. And he understood clearly what his calling was. Paul speaks from first-hand experience. One writer says, regardless of how great our sufferings for Christ may be, God will not only match them, but will exceed them with his comfort, strength, and encouragement. So you have a great suffering you're going through, great tribulation. He will exceed with comfort what your tribulation is. It's pretty powerful. So again, there's no tribulation you go through that God cannot provide comfort and never run out of comfort for you. Suffering that we cause by sin, now here's another thing, suffering we cause by sin or disobedience is not suffering for Christ. Something you do, you, I'm not gonna, I don't, don't name anything, but you get in trouble, you get in an accident, and it's not because you were sharing the gospel, because maybe you're drunk, maybe something happened, maybe you're in sin, maybe, so, and you have a, a, some type of tribulation you go through, some troubles you're going through. Well, that's not suffering for Christ. That's your own stupidity. But God will speak to you even through that. He will draw you to himself. 
And when you come to that point of repentance, he's there to help you and help guide you through that time. In verse 6 through 7, he says that God's comfort absolutely overwhelms us. Paul's suffering for Christ helped him comfort the Corinthians. They were going through the same thing. They were going through persecution. And so he's trying to help them. Paul's example in his suffering encouraged the Corinthians to remain faithful to Christ and not give up. You ever, you ever thought about giving up following Christ? I said before, you went through some things, you go, well, if this is, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to quit this. I'm just not going to continue following after Christ. It's just too difficult. Well, you need to know there's people praying for you. And you need to know that you can make it through whatever struggle that you're going through in your life, whatever disappointment it may be. They experienced the comfort of God only because they suffered for Christ. Now, maybe you weren't suffering for Christ, but maybe you just got really discouraged about church. You got discouraged about whatever it may be in your faith. Somebody disappointed you. I always hear that. Well, I'll, I'll never serve the Lord if somebody disappointed Well, Jesus has never disappointed me. Has Jesus ever disappointed you? Has he ever given up on you? Well, they gave up on me. Uh, he's never given up on us. So many times we blame our problems when we look to other people, and Jesus is there the whole time. So whatever struggle you may be going through, maybe you've just been through some hard times. It could be job-related. It could be family-related. But you never give up. Paul's suffering was great there in verses 8 through 11. Paul feared he would die. Verse 8, he talked about we were near death. And I really do think he meant he was about to die. Not sure which time Paul was speaking about. Maybe at Lystra where he was stoned. And when he was at Lystra, there were some people who came from another city. The Judaizers came, stirred up trouble there in Lystra. Many had come to know Christ at Lystra. But they were there stirring up problems. And the people got so mad they took Paul and they stoned him. Now, I've never been stoned. Anybody here been stoned? I mean, I, maybe you've had people throw rocks at you, but, you know. I remember as a kid, we had a kid, we had a, a friend had those really green apples. You ever had a fight with this thing? Man, they feel like a stone hitting you. That's the closest I've ever come to being stoned. But Paul was stoned. And they came and looked at him, and they said, great, he's dead. Listen to what it says there in, Acts chapter 14. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And when they went over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas to Derby. Now, there's something there I, I think is really neat. He has come to this city led people to Christ, they don't know him from Adam. He gets stoned and think or dying. The people he led to Christ know what it means to comfort, and they come and help Paul and the others that are with him and pull him back out of the city, and the next day he leaves. Total strangers helped him. Those who had led to Christ there in that city. Paul understood what it was to be dying. Paul put his trust in God who raises the dead there in verses 9 and 10. He says, listen, I trust a God who can bring his son to life. And I trust a God who I've seen people who were nearly dead come to life. I've heard the stories of what Jesus did, he said. 
I've seen people get up and walk who could not walk. He knew the power of God. He understood how great a power that God was. In Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. Wow, what a powerful word there. There's times I've been shaken. David said, I will never be shaken. I understand exactly what he's talking about. There are times we struggle in our life. There's times we fail. There's, there's times we look back in our life and we go, wow, I can't believe I did that. And I look back at my life and I'm thinking, man, God, thank you for saving me from things that I, could have gotten me killed or got me in trouble. He was there to help and protect. He's the God that we can put all of our confidence in. Abraham said basically the same thing when God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, you know the story. Abraham was to go sacrifice his son Isaac because God told him to. Abraham was obedient. And they get all the wood and all the stuff to make the altar and do all this. And they're going up on the hill and they get the wood on the altar. Isaac goes, Dad, where's, where's our sacrifice? He says, son, I want you to lay on this altar. He draws out his knife to kill him, his only son. The son that God had promised would be the one who would carry on his lineage and it would be greater than the sands of the, of the beach could ever count. But Abraham was being obedient to God. All of a sudden he hears that ram in the, in the thicket and there comes the sacrifice that he has. Hebrews eleven seventeen by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son. The one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. Do you, do you hear what the writer of Hebrews is saying? Abraham had so much faith in God, he knew that if he did kill his son as a sacrifice, God could have raised him up from the dead, and he would still have been the promise that God had made him. Talk about faith. Talk about a strong understanding of who God is. That even if Abraham had killed his son, he knew that God could raise him from the dead. Abraham was being obedient, and God said, I'm testing you. I'm testing you. See what you're made out of. You've been tested by God. See what you're made out of. I failed some of those tests. I passed some. We've all been in that situation. He tests us to see what we're made of and what we're going to do. And Abraham passed with flying colors. Because like Paul, he understood how great a God that they served. And Paul says his hope was in Christ. And that's where ours should be. Now, this is a great church. been here a long time. I feel like I'm kind of back home. I've met of you for 11 years as pastor. Uh, same area, if nothing tells, a few houses added here and there. But I understand that I cannot put my confidence in a church or a building, a denomination, even people, especially not the government. They ain't going to go there. Our hope, 
is in Christ. So if you find your hope being in anything else, if you think anything, anybody can give you hope and you can put your confidence in them, then you're wrong. You can put your confidence in me and I'll disappoint you sometimes. pastor's going to disappoint you no matter what. He's not going to preach the way you like. He's not going to do this or whatever. He's going to disappoint you. Christ will never disappoint because he is your hope. He is our hope. Paul closes this passage. Verse 11, he says, pray for us. Pray for us. Now, I know y'all are going through a time without a pastor, and I hope that you're praying for that search committee. Pray that they have wisdom. Give them strength. Help them to do what they need to do. Help them not to get disappointed because they're going, they're going to go through many, many resumes, and they're going to think, there's nobody out there. Give them strength to find out who God is calling here to be your next pastor. What an important aspect you can be. You may be, well, I'm not on the search committee. That's all right. You can pray for them. Pray for them. And let them know you're praying for them. I know somewhere on the announcement they had a thing, pray for our search committee. So it is a great blessing for a search committee to have people praying for them. So I'll be praying for you as you go through this process. It, it can be a long process, and you just have to be patient those times. But somebody may say, well, that's kind of our tribulation right now as a church. You know, well, it may be, but then it may be the greatest blessing you've ever had. You find strength when you go through these times. You, you find that God can do the impossible. And sometimes we think, well, only God does impossible in the Old Testament and New Testament. We don't see God doing great. He's still doing things today. Follow him. Trust him with all of your heart. Look to him. When you think you're at the end of the rope and it's become just a little bitty thread and you think you're going to fall, have hope that God's going to get you through that. He's going to rescue you. He's going to give you the strength that he needs. So as a church, as you go through all this, just look to Christ. He has our hope. And I pray that today as we think about this great hope we have in Christ, there may be somebody here who's never trusted Christ as Savior. Maybe somebody here says, you know what, I think I'm saved, but I'm not really sure I'm saved. I'm not confident. And there may be somebody here who says, well, I've trusted Christ, but I've never been baptized. Never been baptized. I was more sure I had a lady come to me and said, I've never been baptized. I trusted Christ, but I'm scared to death of water. I said, how scared are you? I am scared to death of water. She was really petrified. So finally we talked to her and took her up to the baptistry to look, let her look at it. She came and was baptized. I mean, she was scared. To, I'm talking about somebody who really had a, was really paranoid, had a fear, a phobia of water. And maybe you're in that situation. Man, there's no greater thing than to be baptized to proclaim your hope in Christ. And maybe you need to do that and follow through with those things. But this morning we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask musicians, they would come ahead and come on up. And we're going to really seek the Lord today this time. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, maybe you're looking for a church home, this is the time to do that. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for reaching out to us. We thank you for calling us and drawing us to yourself. Speaking to us about salvation. Giving us strength through times of trials and tribulations. For being God who never fails. He's a God on the mountain. What a great God that we serve.
We thank you today in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Would you stand as we get this?